0: I want you to go with me over to 2 Corinthians for a moment. 2 Corinthians. Just uh, one simple verse just to kind of get you going tonight. We walk by faith. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. Say that when we walk by faith and not by sight. What does this mean? It means we walk in the spirit, reality, uh, walking into and experiencing a reality that is not discernible just in the natural. We walk in the spirit, relying on a sixth sense, not the natural senses. A sixth sense, of, sense that we know as faith. Say it will be faith. We know how faith comes, don't we? Now, the difficult thing is, you and I, spending our lives in this in this natural world. If we're not careful, what's happened is we've been trained so long in being sense trained and sense directed and sense harnessed that we don't have the ability to to receive, you know, the feedback from heaven that we need. Now, it's very easy for this to happen. I just want to explain to you this way. Uh, we need the feedback from the spirit realm. We need the wisdom that is you know, located in the spirit realm. We need the power of God that's, that's located in the spirit realm. But if all we do is allow ourselves to be sense-trained just like the rest of the world, we're not going to tap into that realm where all of these things are obtainable and available to us. In other words, what's happened is Even in the church, people have become addicted to experience. Addicted to the feedback that they get from the senses in the natural. And you can be so consumed by all of that information, all that feedback, it's impossible for you To really, you know, lay hold of what the Word of God is saying, what the Spirit of God is saying in a given situation. You have to muddle through all that stuff, and then you get up the next day, and the same thing, you're bombarded by everything in the natural. And you might carve out a little slice of, of heaven here and there, and wisdom here and there. But by and large, we're just living as natural people who every once in a while have a spiritual experience. When in reality, you are spiritual people having a natural experience. And for a lot of people it's inverted. So let me just talk to you a moment about, as we get into this, the concept of spiritual formation. Um, Until we're born again, how many agree we're spiritually dead? We're done. I mean, go ahead, pack up our saddle, it is over. We're done. But in getting born again, experiencing the new birth and coming to Christ, that does not mean that we will automatically live a life in the Spirit. That's something that we have to develop, have to learn, have to grow into. And you first you have to understand that that's even a, a, a goal that you should be pursuing. Part of your spiritual formation is of course the, the character of Christ and the, and the fruit of the Spirit. But a big part of your formation is learning how to literally walk in the Spirit. The Scripture tells us in Romans 8, if we'll walk in the Spirit what will happen? We won't fulfill the desires or the directives or the orders of the flesh because we're being directed by something that's at a higher reality. And that's not going to happen because you just came to a service or just because you got born again. And let me include this, just because you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, this formation is something you've got to keep your finger on every single day. You've got to be mindful of this and realize that there, there are two ways for you to live as a child of God. And it's entirely up to you how you do it. And I'm not saying that uh, if, you, if you never uh, have Christ formed in you this way to the point where your highest reality is the spirit realm and not the natural realm, that your greatest feedback that you believe that you're operating in is what's coming from the spirit realm, the spirit of God, through the sixth sense uh, versus everything around you that still bombards you and that is your primary way of discerning this life and, and operating in this life, it's not going to send you to hell, but it's going to be far below your privileges and far below what God has called you to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I just don't want to hear about the glory of God. I want to walk in the glory of God. Are you here today? And there is no way for us to step into that, not individually, not as a family, not as a church. There's nobody to step into that, you know, if we have trained ourselves and we're satisfied with being experienced trained. We have to do something about that. We have to recognize that. That uh, our, our natural inclination every given day is, is what is the experience telling us? What we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we taste, what we touch, you know, what we experience, the things we've gone through, those things inform us to a level that they can absolutely push out the, the heart of God, the mind of God in every given situation in your life. And if we want to really want to see the glory of God, to say it me, mean, the glory of God is the manifested presence and goodness and power of God. Now, how many want to see more of the glory in your life? And that's, that's what this end time, that's what this end time harvest is about, It's what this last great awakening is all about. It is God, you know, manifests himself. And what did he say about the glory of God? Glory shall what? That's, that's pretty amazing. Isn't it? In other words, think about this, not water this time. Glory. Come on, say not water, not water. but glory. And don't get ahead of God, the fire's coming later. Keep it in order. It's water, glory, then fire. Aren't you glad that uh, you're not going to partake of that? <laughs> you will already be settled in your walk with God. But think about this as the waters cover the earth, that's God's will, that's God's desire. And how I many know we don't want to be a dry spot when the glory's covering the earth? But we can't wait until something amazing happens somewhere for us to learn how to break ourselves from what the Spirit of God is telling me is an experience addiction, an addiction to experience. If we can't break that, then there's no way for us to walk in that higher reality and be people that literally are, are addicted to the presence of God. Now, you and I were wired to be addicted. It's not a mystery that human beings become addicted. I, I know you know, pets, animals, they can get fat. You know what I'm saying? But they're not typically addicted to milk bones. They just eat too many of them. Human beings are wired to be addicted. The problem is most people are, are living at a natural level, and that's why you have all the issues, the habits and the hang-ups and the hurts and, and the substance abuse. All of these things are, are relative to... that that nature, but we're addicted to the wrong thing. You're supposed to be addicted to God in His presence. And to the extent that we are addicted to His presence, these other kinds of natural things are blocked and limited in our lives. You don't find a lot of people that are, you know, walking in the presence of God and on fire for God that are struggling with addictions, you know, that other people may be struggling with that don't have that same level of revelation or understanding of the things of the Spirit. Say with me, I can be addicted to experience, or addicted to the presence of God, but you won't be both. Amen. Um, we we learned just talked about this the other night, but uh, in God's presence is what fullness of joy. Now I want you to write that word down, fullness, because that's critical to the study of the life in the presence of God. The the, the you know, the presence-driven life is really what God wants to say to this church. And if everybody in the church is presence-driven, what's going to happen to the church? How about a presence-driven family, and a presence-driven church, and a presence-driven town, where religion doesn't rule, but the presence of God rules? Uh, then you have any possibility in the in the things of God breaking out anywhere, any any time. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I am willing. Say it, I am willing. Fullness is critical. Fullness of joy, fullness of peace, fullness of victory, fullness of power, fullness of wisdom. In the presence of God is fullness, period. If you haven't gotten this down by now, get this into your heart. Everything you could ever possibly need in this life can be obtained, can manifest through the presence of God. Everything. That's why we've got to stop focusing on being experience-based, you know, being saved and spirit-filled, going to church, being word people, but still living as though we were natural. Because we're not. Say it with me, I'm not natural. You're a supernatural being. Here we are, made in the image of God, born again. We have a new birth. We're, we're a species of creation that never existed before. We're, we're given His Spirit and we're still functioning down here like natural people. And if we do that, we're going to get the same results as the natural man is going to get. But if we will be presence-driven, we're going to have the fullness of what? Fullness of joy in everything His presence can produce. Remember that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Now the Spirit of the Lord is what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? There's what? There's liberty, there is freedom. And if the Spirit of the Lord is not there... So you can be born again, Spirit-filled, not really walking in the Spirit, and you're not going to have the liberty that God has ordained for you to have. Really, it refers to the Lordship of the, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ executed through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Say this with me, the Lordship of Jesus executed through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when the Spirit of God gives you a directive, who gave you that directive? Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, and he only said what he heard the Father say. And who do you think the Spirit of God's listening to? Do you see this today? Well, it becomes really important for us to be in a position to, to pick up on these things, to have access to a knowledge base, a wisdom base, a power base that you couldn't possibly get in the natural realm. And that's just not even the, the, the tip of the iceberg. So let me define this for you first of all. Everybody say, experience addiction. That doesn't mean you have to be a coke head or a meth head or an alcoholic. You understand that? You could be perfectly right with God tonight, born again, on your way to heaven, love God, generally love His people, even serve it in ministry, and still be addicted to experience. And you're going to live a life that's far below your privileges in, in terms of what God has for you and what He wants to do through you. Experience addiction is simply this. You're addicted to making what, uh, in making an experience the basis of your belief and your conduct. is the highest reality for you. It's the basis for what you believe and your conduct. And that's why it's dangerous. Everybody say conduct and beliefs. So if you do that, and we all do that, and then all of a sudden the society tells us something's right or wrong, and our primary mode of receiving information is natural, what's going to happen? Whatever society tells you, you're going to believe. And if you don't know this, society is lying to people right now. I come in here every single day of the week and I say, Jimmy's a rhinoceros, Jimmy's a rhinoceros, Jimmy is a rhinoceros, Jimmy is a rhinoceros, and you're going to laugh at me laugh at me and laugh at me. It's never going to happen, but if you say it enough and your, your natural realm is the basis of what you believe in your conduct, pretty soon I'm not going to be the only one. Pretty soon other people are going to walk in here and say, did you know that Jimmy is a rhinoceros? It won't be long before women start saying, Jimmy is a rhinoceros. Next thing you know, he'll walk in and one day say, Hello, I'm Jimmy, the rhinoceros. And it's completely ridiculous. No matter how many times we say something is right or correct in this society, if God calls it a sin, it's a sin. But they chime in there, and if we're all living in the natural realm, and we're all functioning with experience addiction like the rest of the world, then whatever society says, whatever people you know, try to influence the church to believe or accept, it gets accepted, God's Word gets put, pushed aside, and we all have this false sense of, hey, we're all on the same page, we're all enlightened. The, the, the Word today is woke. They're not woke. They're like the Night of the Living Dead. They just don't know it. Seriously. They're just a bunch of zombies walking around trying to tell everybody else what is right and what is wrong. This is why somebody who's walking in the Spirit and and living a presence-driven life, they're not buying into this stuff. Whenever I hear about a Christian or or a leader or a musician, you know, or somebody behind a pulpit who's starting to to buy into this junk, it tells me that they got their their knowledge from the natural realm because they didn't get it from the Word of God. Now sometimes I don't know where it came from. Sometimes I marvel because some of these people have actually come through ministries like this and then completely deny everything they've ever heard. And I'm thinking, I'm kind of like Paul, who hath bewitched you? What it literally means is who's cast a spell on you? You were running a good race. The Greek indicates who cut you off and ran you into the ditch. Because you didn't get that, Paul said, from me. You didn't get it from my spiritual sons. Somebody came along, so if it can happen to Paul, guess what? It could happen to any of us, but the consequences are the same. And you can scream at the top of your lungs all you want to, scream about what the church should be, and what the world thinks, and how we're this, and how we're that, and we're intolerant, and we're bigots and whatever. But the reality is, at the end of the day, the word of the Lord is eternal. Everything else is what? It's at least inferior, and oftentimes it's in direct contradiction to what the Word actually says. So I'm happy to report to you that Jimmy's not really a rhinoceros. And there's really not multiple ways to God. And there really is a hell. And marriage is really sacred. And you should keep your pants on until you're married. All of which are being contradicted not just by the world, but by people in the church who what? Instead of being presence driven, they're being addicted to experience and walking down the same path as everybody else. I, at times I just shake my head and I go, Lord, you, know, just, you have to intervene in some of these people's lives because what is the accountability going to be for people who, who lead entire churches into destruction? What, what does that look like and, and is there is there time there but as long as somebody's addicted to experience addicted I just want to say you know who who cut in on you who hath bewitched you that you would believe these things and instead of functioning out here in the realm of the spirit where we were ordained to we were born to live that way I got news for you you're not going to get your news from CNN and Fox and your natural senses when you get to heaven. Amen. Your transmitter is going to work perfectly then. Your receiver is going to work perfectly then. So all we're talking about is it's, it's this addiction to uh, making your, your basis for life and conduct and belief what you actually pick up from your senses. What your, what your eyes see, what your ears hear you know, what people are talking about, how you feel. I mean, are we not the most feely, feely generation in the history of feelings? I feel this, and I feel that. And I think about the greatest generation that ever lived in this country. And I think about kids that lied, said that there were 20 when they were 16, went into battle units. Not that far away from here. Many of their stories are over there in the 101st Museum. My uh, dad's uncle, Johnny, they call him Jocko, lied to get into World War II. Went with Patton all the way through that campaign, somehow survived to live be like 92, 93 years old. Just miraculous. You know, and I just think, what would happen today if there was an escalation, some rogue nation or some major power decided they would just test the, the will of our nation? What would happen? i going to call a cry-in. I mean, what are going to do? Here's a blanking a box of Kleenexes. What would happen? I like to believe that people come to their senses. But uh, just like that's a natural illustration in the spirit realm, I'm concerned the church is in the same condition across the country. Because they're telling people you don't have to give anything, do anything, sign anything, commit to anything, just show up so we can count your rear end and pretend that we're actually doing the work of God. No, I I hate to break it to you, darling, but God has expectations for you. Let me put He has requirements for you. What the Lord doth require of you. You're going to do what's right. Amen? You're going to walk in mercy. Amen? You're going to walk in humility towards your Lord. This is not the great suggestion. It's the commandment of God. So what are we doing if we're trying to dumb this thing down and make it so palatable to people that, you know, they wouldn't get offended at us or think that we're asking too much from them? The reality is we're not nearly asking enough. The one that saved you and me gave it all. Amen. So, Satan would be addicted to his presence. You uh, can tell that you're spending way too much time taking in inputs from this natural world through your senses. Um, if you're, for example, uh, moody, sometimes it's not hormones, sometimes it's what you're listening to irritable, touchy, fretful, resentful, unpredictable, unsettled, flaky inconsistent, carnal. The key for them, you know, in terms of this particular situation is everything that that you know I feel or I sense can, can influence me and in my conduct and my beliefs at any moment in time. And they're what they walk around defeated. They walk around fearful and negative. And the problem with all of this is someone whose primary inputs are coming from the natural realm, they're easily deceived. You don't have to have some manifestation of the evil one in your bedroom to deceive you. All you have to do is become addicted to the natural realm and a suggestion becomes to you the word of the Lord because you can't discern the difference anymore. And why is deception powerful? Because the one deceived doesn't know they're being deceived until they're standing in ashes. Amen. And ever try to talk to a brother or sister who's actually in deception? When they don't believe they are in deception, and it's always like a fun day at the office. I'll give you an example. God says uh, to you that you're supposed to be in Murray, you're supposed to be involved with this ministry. I mean, you've told me this many, many times. You felt called here by Simon. You've been here how many years now? Almost 14 years. That's a long time. That's a record in some churches. Amen. <laughs> right? But here comes the second voice saying, what? You shouldn't be here. You should be over here. You should be in this town. You should be in this ministry. You should go over there. Either you heard God the first time, right, or what? But God is not telling you something different every month. Now watch this. Uh, it's, It's a formation issue and it's a maturity issue. Do you know that people can be zealous for the Lord and completely immature when it comes to discerning His will? Doesn't mean they're not saved, doesn't mean they're not spirit-filled, doesn't mean, you know, they're, they're not on the right track, but there's nothing really, you know, in their lives that's producing stability in terms of hearing from God. God is, God is not, you know, a being with multiple personalities. He's not on Prozac. Amen. And you see this. You know, people have the itch and they're, they're roaming around. Well, America is a mobile society. Do you know that that is a natural inclination? That's not coming from the spirit realm. The body of Christ is not, and I'm talking to some people, <laughs> the body of Christ is not nearly as mobile as it's supposed to be. It is self-mobilized. That's another word for a AWOL. That's right. That's right. Self-directed. Where is that coming from? It didn't come from somebody being in a place where they're mature enough to hear the voice of God. And it's really good if, if you get to the place where, you know what, I'm, I'm not in a place right now, I know I'm not in a pl- good place right now, so I'm not going to go around trying to act like I'm hearing from God. I'm just going to sit down and shut up. That's, good. That's the best sermon some people could hear this year. Sit down and just shut up. And then when you get in a place where you're healthy, now you can begin to, to reach out and discern, is, is God talking to me or is this another attempt of the enemy to steal kill, and destroy. The devil doesn't have to actually take you out to make you neutralized. That's right. Right. If you're not in your spot, that anointing's is not being released. God's will is not being accomplished through you the way he wants it to be accomplished. Say it with me, I refuse to be easily deceived. <sighs> Folks, this is the epidemic. The level of deception in the body of Christ right now it's not coming from the Spirit of God, so where is it coming from? Because people are addicted to their experiences. And you could even be addicted to experiences in the so-called realm of the Spirit that aren't God at all. How do I know if they're from God? Is it a line-up of the Word of God? Is it consistent with the Word of God? Is there, is there you know, the witness of the Spirit of God? Is the, the fruit of you know, the Spirit a, a witness to that? You need to make sure that what you're thinking is God is actually what? Is actually the Lord. Now, the sidebar of that is don't walk around with your nose in the air and, and judgmental of everybody else because God will do things that quite won't fit your religion. Amen. Or your experience based. So you've got to be sensitive to that as well. Nothing in the realm of the world you can experience will produce lasting peace. Nothing. So if you're born again spirit-filled, but you're looking for your peace from things out there that you can receive through what you see, what you hear, whatever, it's not going to last. It's fleeting at best. Look at somebody and say, it just won't last. But how do you know the peace from God is lasting? Yes, amen? That's why we need to be delivered from experience addiction. Amen? Amen. And get, like never before, addicted to the presence of God. As believers, we should be developing an addiction to the presence of God because people addicted to the presence of God walk in peace. And they walk in victory. Anybody here like victory? It's a lot better than defeat, isn't it? They walk in power. And they walk in wisdom and boldness and confidence. They walk around with a hearing ear. The key for them is eternal not natural, not carnal, not earthly. Glory to God. Remember what Moses said in Exodus uh, chapter 33, that Moses said to the Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What's going to distinguish us in our own nation here? The presence of God. What's going to distinguish us in the world? What's going to distinguish us as a church, as a ministry? You know, as as born-again believers, it's the presence of God. Say, I I can walk in the presence of God. Every day. day. But it has to be a a deliberate decision. Amen. You have to practice things that that will cultivate and maintain that. But in the, in the scripture, you will find something out. that, that The people of God who were experienced, addicted, ended up in defeat, and the people who were addicted to the presence of God would come out on top. Amen. Say it, I'm one of them. It's in God's unbroken presence that you experience the other dimensions of the glory. Say it with me, the manifested presence and power and goodness of God. Say it again, the manifested presence Presence. and power and and goodness of God. What do I mean manifested? God is all powerful. That's a theological truth. God is everywhere present. That is a theological truth. And lo, I'm with you always is what? A theological and biblical truth. But that is not the same thing as you experiencing his manifested presence in your life. Yes, it's impossible for God to throw down his sovereignty and throw down his actual, you know, ownership and, and claim to this entire universe. That's not going to happen. But that is different. You know, you can stand on the banks of the red Sea and you can say, my God is all-powerful. That's true. Say it with my God, my God is all-powerful. you know I mean, he can do anything. Yes, can. But what would experience tell you at that moment? Egyptians coming for you. Water in front of you, experience tells you what? Waters don't part. And angry pharaohs don't cease to kill until they're done. That's what the natural realm is going to say. What does the spirit realm say? Moses, take what's in your hand. What do you do? You raise it up. Somebody, listen to me, one person in a community walking in the presence of God nonstop can transform that community. How many of you have volunteered to be that person? We're looking for 50,000 people this and 100,000 that. You know, if you look in the scripture, you'll see that God will use somebody and transform a people in the process. It's not easy, but it does require that they're walking in the presence of God, the people of the presence. Smith Wigglesworth was a person of what? The presence of God. And where is he now? Permanently, amen, in the presence of God. But he tapped into something most people are not disciplined enough to find out for themselves. He did not try to get into the presence of God because he had to go preach somewhere. He was in the presence of God when somebody would invite him. And he would go in the presence of God. You see the difference between that? The mindset is, "Uh uh-oh, I guess we better get anointed. We better get ready. It's time to get serious, you know, because we're going to see God do something. No, this is the way you actually live your life, in the presence of God. Well, we know what happened. It's not God could part the Red Sea. That's a statement of his what? Omnipotence. Does that make sense? But seeing God part the Red Sea, that's manifested glory. That's manifested power. Does that make sense? I can sing like we did tonight and sing to our heart's content. God is good. That is a theological truth. It is the nature of God. It's what the Word says. And don't you let any religious person try to talk you out of the goodness of God. I don't care what they were taught about God. God is not their problem. God is not the one that beats them up. God is not the one destroying them. God is the one that saves. He heals. He delivers. And the reason is a child of God with a covenant with God through Jesus Christ, it's a big deal to God. And that's what a lot of religious people don't understand. There's a reason why God won't do certain things to his people. It's called integrity. It's called honor. The only reason Israel survived to this day is the honor God has for the covenants that he has made. And I you know, apologize to, to Christians who think that, that we should be silent about the the nature and the makeup of our nation and the history of our nation and the, the call of God on our nation and somehow it somehow doesn't matter what happens. It's all separate from the things of God. You know, when a nation dedicated itself to the principle of advancing the gospel throughout the new world and around the world, God took them at their word. Yes. That does not mean that everything they did before they came was perfect. That does not mean what they did after was perfect. That does not mean that we have arrived. But if you listen to people today talk about this nation, they say the background and the noise is, you're not perfect, so therefore we should throw you away. You know what I think? I think everyone of little cancel critters Run around canceling everybody. Before we listen to a word they say, we just stop and say, you know what? You want to cancel that professor, that teacher, that museum, that, that you know, a professor, that that teacher, that musician, you know, that pastor? What are you going to cancel that person? Before we do that, what we're going to do is we're going to vet your life back to the day you were born, and if you've ever said or done anything, we're going to cancel you too. Whoever steps up to cancel. That's the one that gets vetted the most, right? It's stop this nonsense dead. You want to know why? Because those who live in glass houses shouldn't be throwing rocks. And they're deceived to think that I'm in a position to judge this nation or judge its people. You're not in a position to judge this nation or these people. You are an imperfect person yourself. Are you here tonight? Perfection has nothing to do with it. If perfection was required, Israel would have been destroyed a long time ago. If God didn't keep His covenant that the people of God made with God over this nation, we would have been destroyed a long time ago. Make no mistake about it. Why did we win in the Revolutionary War? Because of what they did a hundred years earlier. Why did we excel? in the war of 1812 and survive as a nation. Why did we not break apart like so many other nations, like France who has a new constitution, like some people use toilet paper? Why? We still have have one amended from time to time. They literally just throw it out like the bathwater. Why? Why is that possible? How could we possibly have engaged in World War I? How could we have possibly come back after what happened to us in World War II and be part of the solution? Do you really think that within five years any superpower could come in and stop the the spread of Nazism across the globe after everything they did was win win, after win, after win, after win, after win, and all of a sudden we get involved and guess what? They lose, 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 lose. Don't anybody be stupid enough to think that that's our power, our goodness, our knowledge, our ability. That's God keeping His covenant. I've got to protect that nation because they're the ones that spend the most, give the most, go the most. I've got to use that nation in these last times. So I'll defend it. And if you tell me it shouldn't have any place in church, you need to go read a history book. Amen. Instead, just listen to everybody out there what they're trying to say. Once you get back into the word and find out the truth of these matters, people that predated me, People that stood in the pulpits during the days of the Revolution, they wore these long robes. Right. You know what they hid under their robes? Weapons and ammunition. They were ready. Today, we talk about these people like they're some kind of weirdos. Gun-toting, Bible-thumping, God-confessing weirdos out there. Well, nothing matters is just just preached. Guess what? It matters because God is a covenant-keeping God. And I said all that to say this: He has. If you've confessed Christ, you now stand in a position of sacred, irrevocable commitment from your God. And there are certain things He's just not going to do to you. Now that doesn't mean things won't happen to you, but they don't have anything to do with Him. I said they have nothing to do with Him. It's amazing, isn't it? Take me the presence of God. Being conscious daily. Amen. Being enveloped in his presence. We'll learn so much more about his nature and his goodness. Amen. Same person that will blame God for everything going wrong in their life forgets that God's the one that gave him breath. He wouldn't be breathing right now if it wasn't for him. You wouldn't have life if it wasn't for him. Amen. You know how dangerous it is to be a 70% water walking around this planet with no real natural armor? I mean, have you ever thought about the danger of being in a car? Especially with Kentucky drivers. If you just stop and think about that for a moment. I mean, I watch people coming down the road and I'm sitting there getting ready to make a left turn. I'm waiting. Come on, here's a turn signal. Here's a turn signal. And I saw that tripper from Indiana, he did a video on Facebook and YouTube a couple years ago. And he said, I want to show you a brand new invention on vehicles. It's amazing. (laughs) If you make a turn, you just hit this little signal here, and look what happens. A light flashes on the outside of the car, and and people can tell where you're going. It's amazing. (laughs) And I thought, that's great. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Look at somebody and say, it's amazing. But, you know, you're not conscious of all that. You're conscious of what? Greater is He that is in you. And he is in the world. Amen. You're conscious of His promises. You're conscious of an armor that you cannot see. Amen. And a God who is what? Who is good. Say it, He is good. He is good. So we're talking about um, the presence, the power, and the goodness of God. Say that with the presence and the power. And the goodness of God. We're not talking about just theological truth or biblical truth. We're talking about what? Manifested truth. It's true that God so loved the world. It is true, right, that God had a plan to redeem us. Revealed as early as Genesis 3.15. But how many understand what needed to happen was he needed to go to the cross. There needed to be some what? Activity associated with the manifestation of His goodness and the manifestation of His power, the manifestation of God Himself in this situation. Look at somebody. I'm waiting for God to show up and show out. Come on, say it again. Show up and show out. That's great. God could part the Red Sea. That's one thing. It's manifested, right? Glory when it parts. That's where God is headed here. Um, you've been a lot of talking and. And, you know, conversations about and teachings about what God can do. You shouldn't be satisfied with that. Right. Now, your mind should be renewed. You should know what is and what is not God's will. But now you should want what? Manifested. Manifested presence, power, and goodness. Brother Hagan said it this way. If you'll praise long enough the spirit of worship will come. And when the spirit of worship comes, the glory will come down. It, is, it literally works that way. Could you imagine if you just lived that way? Amen. Have you noticed that our worship teams just get better and better and better and better yeah. and better? And better. And one of the reasons why is they're not interested in performing for you. They could care less about performing for you they want to worship with you. And the more you see that prevalent spirit, the more you're going to see God manifest himself. But the same thing is true for you and for me. Think about these people in the as I just kind of tie this thing together. Experienced people, uh, experience driven people in the Word of God. You'd have to include Adam and Eve, right? They lived in the presence of God. And so what do they give their attention to? The eyes and the ears. I mean, the devil coming to you and saying that, uh, you know what, you'll be like God. There's one problem with that statement. They were already like God. Right? But boom. How? How? How could they be deceived? How could they possibly step out of all that goodness because of an experience? What a horrible consequence to that. What about Thomas? Don't, don't ever minimize the fact that you believe in a Savior you've never seen. You believe in a crucifixion that you never witnessed. You believe in a resurrection that you're not a personal, you know, first-hand witness to. Scripture says, blessed are they who what? Who believe and yet have not seen. To the Lord, that's a big deal. So it says, blessed are you. So guess what? You're blessed. How many believe he rose from the dead? How many believe he died for you? How many believe he's coming again? You believe and yet you haven't seen Well, look at Thomas. After walking with the Lord, this is the same guy who would have seen Lazarus raised from the dead and all the miracles and lepers healed and eyesight restored, you know, and even being told he's alive, I'm not going to believe until I what? I get to personally inspect the scars and the wounds. Uh, That's a dangerous place to be. You know, we don't know a lot about Thomas afterwards. We know that he got his head on as far as his ministry goes, and we know, like the others, that he was martyred. But, uh, you know, you wonder how how that would have limited him in, in fashioning himself into an experience-addicted or experience-driven person of God. What about Joshua? The Lord gave a command, don't you know, don't to enter into a treaty with any of the peoples you're going in to evade and evade. Gibeonites found out that they're winning every battle. Gibeonites sent a delegation to Israel. Moldy bread, old shoes, worn out supplies. They show up, we've come from a far distance. Here's the message: we're no threat to you. That's irrelevant. And see what, what happens when you decide that you get to sit in judgment over the word? The word was no treaty. Come on, shout it out with me. No treaty. No. The Bible says they inspected their goods and their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. What would have happened if they had inquired of the Lord? The Lord would have said, I told you, no treaties. So when it was discovered they were literally 10 miles away, the people of God were not happy with the leadership at that point in time. Right? How could somebody do that? Look at somebody and say, Joshua can do it. Then you can do it. This is the man who stand in the position and anointing of Moses, and in addition that guy received an even greater anointing to do the task of leadership and and war-making as he entered into the promised land. How could he do that? Bad day? Lazy? Fed up? Who knows what he had to put up with earlier that day? We don't know. All we know is at the end of the day, he sampled their provisions, but he didn't inquire, what? Oh, Lord. Experience-based living, experience addiction for believers causes defeat in our lives. Shortly thereafter, the other nations, the enemies of, of Gibeonites attacked them. Why? Because they thought if they're going to align themselves with that, we've got to get rid of that threat immediately or we're toast. Israel had to come and defend the Gibeonite nation from its aggressors because of a treaty they never should have been in because they were experience-based instead of listening to the voice of God. Amen. That's the day that the sun stayed in the sky. For those who doubt that, miracle, that the covenant matters to God, this isn't even a covenant that God made. But His people made it. And He backed them up by keeping the sun in the sky so they could defend a nation they weren't even supposed to be in a covenant with. You get this deep into your spirit. Covenant is a huge deal to him. It is enormous to him. And breaking covenant, even in the natural sense, is like a a violent act according to God, what he says in Malachi. It's an act of violence. You're murdering something according to Him. You're, you're killing something. And so what we have to do is renew our minds right where we are, amen, and our walk with God right where we are to see there's a reason why He doesn't do certain things. And there's a reason why He does certain things. And aren't you glad that you have this wonderful covenant to benefit from? Amen. But how does it work best when you're functioning in the realm of the Spirit, not in the natural? You're going to miss signals. You're going to miss important things. You're going to you know, fail to pick up on His direction. I love what Keith Moore always says. You can confess all day long. Protection. Supernatural protection. Divine life. Hallelujah. Long life. Psalm 91 protection for me. And then when the Spirit of God tells you to turn left now, and you don't, and you go right off the cliff, the person, the average Christian today would say, "Well, I'm a Christian. I went to church. I taught Sunday school. And why did God let me go off that cliff?" I'll tell you why. Because you were not trained in the things of the Spirit enough to hear the voice of the Spirit of God saying to you, "Turn left." Now, I'm not God, and I'm glad I don't have to have that kind of burden. But you know, there's an awful lot of things he's been blamed for in the lives of Christians he had nothing to do with. Absolutely nothing. To do with, but being addicted to experience, we look at and go, "There's nothing wrong with that. The road's just fine. Why would I go 30 minutes out of my way? What I why do I would do that and turn left? That can't possibly be God. He does that stuff. So confessing protection without listening by being in His presence, it's not going to help you. If you're going to confess, you better listen to what He has to say to you. Turn to somebody and say confess, but also listen. You can't do that if you're not actually, you know, walking in the Spirit of God. Elisha's servant looks out and he sees the hills filled with what? Enemy chariots. And what does the prophet Elisha say to him? And what does he pray? Where is he focused on? Experience. He's focused on his experience. Experience. And what does God need to do? Open up His eyes to see in the realm of the Spirit. And what ends up, what's the conclusion? They're now more with them than against them. And the funny thing is, the servant's eyes get opened, but the Aramean's eyes are all blinded. Such is the ability, amen, of your God to open up the eyes of a covenant person, amen, and cause those that are attacking the people of God to stumble in blindness because they're not covenant people. Aren't you glad you're one of his covenant people? The army of Israel pinned down by Goliath. Why are they pinned down? He's big. He's ugly. He's a killer. He's three, four, five times the size that we are. He's got a big mouth. He's already taken out so many other people. Everything about that story shows you that those people were addicted to their experience. Now, there's a certain young man who shows up with some bread and cheese. Brother says, You want to come down and see the bloodshed? What bloodshed? You aren't fighting. You want a wince? Why am I coming down and see bloodshed when you're not fighting? So that can't possibly be true. It must have been a real thrill for Joseph to grow up in his family and for David to grow up in his. <laughs> Amen. But David is not operating from an addiction to the experience. In fact, what's he doing? He's out there in the back 40 tending to the sheep, making up worship songs and singing songs unto the Lord. He is what? He is walking perpetually in the presence of God. So when a lion shows up, you're no match for the power of God. The manifested power of God is there. When he runs into a bear, what happens? So when he sees all these experienced addicted brothers of his, it kind of freaks him out. He makes the declaration. Well, he'll be one just like the bear and the lion. They all think he's crazy. Saul thinks he's a nut. But he's operating out of what? He's operating out of the presence of God, not experience. Do you see this? Things that happen in the presence of God. And so, When he runs out there, and after Goliath, you know, you're going to be just like one of these others. You little little dog, you send a dog out after me. How nice. Boy, weren't they shocked. What would you normally do in that situation? You would run for the hills if you were what? Experience addicted. But when you're walking in the presence of God, he just picked up his sling and his stones. Amen. Fire that shot. And it's not that David was a great shot, it's that your Lord is a really good shot. Bam. <laughs> Cuts that big old head off. Jerry Henley preached on this years ago over the dumbs over here, and he had a big old head underneath the pulpit. Nobody knew it. <laughs> so when he got to that story, he lifted <laughs> that up. People were like, ah! <laughs> Where'd he get that from? <laughs> Lopped his head off because he was not what experience. Through. When did David get in trouble? When he yielded to experience. That's when any believer gets into trouble. The king's officer, when Elisha declares the famine's over declares a booming economy and a plethora of grain for everybody and this officer does what? ain't going to happen. Why? He is experienced, trained, and addicted. And what did Elisha say? Oh, it's going to happen, but you're not going to get out of it. Well, that's a powerful word, isn't it? You walk around experienced, trained, and addicted, it's going to happen, but you ain't going to get out of it. There's going to be a turnaround, but you ain't going to have it. You're going to watch everybody else in the church flourish, but you're not going to get it. I mean, no, we want to get over into the realm of the Spirit so we can enjoy in the manifested goodness of God. In other words, God's going to manifest His power and His goodness and His presence, but we are going to enjoy it. Everybody else in the camp did. Amen. Amen. What a terrible thing to be trampled on the day of victory. Exactly what happened. Throughout Scripture, the experienced addicted people of God are defeated, and the presence addicted servant of God is victorious. Say it with me. I'm a presence addicted servant of God. Come on, say it again. I'm a presence addicted servant of God. Say it one more time. I'm a presence addicted servant of God. You relate to David. Amen? What about Israel in the wilderness? We want water. We want meat. We want something for our feet. <laughs> la, 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 I know that God is long-suffering and merciful. I've said this before, but could you ever imagine if Moses and God had a bad day on the same day? <laughs> Moses comes to God and says, I'm done with these people. No, they're your people. You take them. Now, Moses, you're anointed to lead. You're called to do this. Then one day God wakes up and says, "I've had it. I'm going to wipe them all out." Now God, remember your covenant. Remember your covenant. A couple of weeks go by and they're still belly aching and complaining because they're entirely walking in the experience realm. Can't see the hand of God has already done miracles. Can't remember just a short time ago they were delivered from bondage after 400 years. Forgot all about that because that's more real to them than what God has done or will do or said He would do. And they're murmuring, belly and complaining. And uh, Moses gets up, God, I've had it. God says, I have too. That's it. I mean, it's a bad day. <laughs> Moses and God have a bad day. And neither one of them tries to talk the other one out of it. We often say the same thing about godly marriage. You know, when a spouse is having a bad day, the other one can pick him up. Then some other time, it's just the opposite, but God help you both if you're both playing. That's it, on the same day. Amen? But after everything he did for them, they're still walking around as if it's a gamble walking with God. It's not a gamble walking with God. It's a sure thing walking with God. You are you are victorious if you just hang in there. Say, I'm more than a conqueror. Say, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. And yet God and his faithfulness continue to be God to them, didn't he? But occasionally they go too far. And the earth will all open up. Aren't you glad you're under grace? I'm, seriously, I wonder how many New Testament Christians in Kentucky would all have been swallowed by now. Thank God, amen, for this new covenant that you have with Him. Yeah, there are sometimes they cross the line. Amen. How about the golden calf. What's Moses doing up in the mountain? Presence of God. Receiving from God, instructions from God. What are they doing down here? Yeah, you know, Moses really wasn't gone all that long. Well, he's gone, who knows. So let's just all throw all of our precious metals in a pot and see what pops out. And Aaron says, this is what popped out, Moses. Totally an accident. What is all that? Deeply ingrained addiction to experience. We need to see the idol. We're trained that way. Faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You don't need to go the idol in your life. You've got God. Amen. Yeah, there's not a lot on Facebook that I can stomach really anymore. Um, I mean, it's just crazy. Do you notice they they didn't need fact checkers until the truth started coming out on Facebook? Now these little boxes, you know, trying to tell you that what you're seeing is is not true when basically you know that it is true, especially on contemporary issues. But I couldn't help it. I I saw this meme, and y'all know Carrie Underwood's uh, song, Jesus Take the Wheel. Carrie Underwood cracks me up because one minute she was singing Jesus Take the Wheel, and the next minute she's singing a song about scratching some guy's truck and tearing it up, you know. So, kind of dual personalities going on there, you know. (laughs) But uh, the meme says this. At this point, Jesus doesn't need to take the wheel. He needs to pull pull the car over and spank some of y'all with his (laughs) flip-flop. That's exactly what needs to happen. Forget about this, Jesus, take the wheel. Some of us just need to be spanked. I mean, he's, he's merciful. Where's God going to take you? i tell you where it's going to happen. He's He's going to wean you off of your senses and train you like never before to walk in his presence. And you're going to be more victorious than you've ever been. And the result is the manifestation of his presence, his power, and his goodness in your life. Amen. I'm addicted to the presence of God. You can go from cover to cover. You can see when people are caught up in experience, they're defeated. And if you live your life that way, always focus on everything that's wrong, what didn't happen and what you've been through, you're going to be defeated as well. Now, the Spirit of God said it tonight, by tongue interpretation, the, the turnaround has already begun. Yeah. Come on, say it, it is here. And if something is given corporately, you can grab that. How many of you with a raised hand are believing for a turnaround in something in your life? There's some area you're believing God to move in. You should lay hold of that in Jesus' name. But understand how that's going to happen. The wisdom, the direction, the hearing the voice behind you saying, This is the way walking in it, it's all going to come in His presence. Amen? Go on, give me a big hand clap if you can receive that tonight.